When we catch up with Jesus in the reading this morning, he has been crisscrossing the sea and doing all sorts of awe-inspiring and sometimes confusing things. Last week, we heard that he calmed a storm by rebuking the winds and waves, causing the disciples to wonder aloud, who is this that even the winds and waters obey him? Immediately after that, in a story that our lectionary skips over, Jesus encounters a man possessed by demons and heals him by casting out those demons and causing them to enter a herd of swine who then proceed to run into the lake and drown. Surely this would also cause any onlooker to wonder, who is this? So perhaps we should view this morning's passage as another in this series of vignettes, offering us a glimpses into who Jesus is and what he's all about. And boy, is there a lot to unpack in this one. Jesus has just arrived back at the shore after casting out the demons, and he crossed to the other side again when Jairus approaches him, asking for healing for his young daughter. By all accounts, this should be a good thing for Jesus. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue and the first religious authority to seek Jesus out for healing rather than interrogation. But, Jesus, but Jairus doesn't seem to care who or what Jesus is, only that there is a chance, however slight, that Jesus can help him and save his daughter's life. So Jairus begs Jesus to help him, granting Jesus the opportunity to win favor with the religious leaders. While we don't know for certain whether or not this was on Jesus' mind when he agrees, he does follow Jairus and agrees to help him. Even while an overwhelming crowd starts to form and close in around him. So here's Jesus navigating his way through the throngs of enthusiastic spectators on his way to potentially earning some favor with the religious authorities by healing Jesus' daughter when he feels something. Even though bodies are pushing and shoving to get close to him, pressing up against him, making it nearly impossible to get through, he notices a slight tug on his clothes and the sensation of power leaving his body. Someone in this crowd was in need of healing, and they came to him to get it. But who? Jesus demands to know, who touched my clothes? Jesus stops everything. He's on the way to help Jairus' daughter, working his way through an intense crowd, and he just stops, wanting to know who touched his clothes. Can you imagine? This can't have gone over very well with anyone. The disciples are about to be proven right about Jesus when he heals Jairus' daughter, not to mention Jairus, who must be beside himself. There he is on the cusp of a life-saving miracle, and Jesus is stopping to ask who touched his clothes? I, for one, would be giving Jesus the biggest side-eye of my life right now if it were me. Do we have to do this now? We sure do, Jesus would say. And the woman knows it, too. She knows that he, she has to come forward and claim her healing, too, right then and there in front of everyone. The hemorrhaging woman, as she's commonly known, has been suffering for 12 years. She's not only physically unwell, she's also been cast out for being unclean. 
She's not allowed into the synagogue. She's cut off from her social network. She's exhausted all of her financial resources on doctors who couldn't help her. She has nothing. She's alive, technically, but it's a living death, really. She's so far gone, so desperate to be restored to life, to community, to wholeness, that she brazenly touches the clothes of a man that she doesn't know. And now she's about to have to tell everyone what she's done, just how far her desperation has pushed her. So it's no surprise when she steps forward to confess that she's a little, she's a, more than a little afraid of how he's going to respond. But Jesus giving us yet another window into who he is shocks everyone and says to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. What she desperately seeks in private by anonymously touching Jesus' clothes, he grants her publicly in front of everyone. He calls her daughter. He's claiming her. He's honoring her worthiness, her inherent value as a child of God. She's been cast aside by everyone, and yet Jesus calls her daughter. Jesus calls her out of the 12-year death that she's been living and restores her to life in its fullness. Physical healing, restoration to her community of faith, restoration of her relationships, Meanwhile, Jairus must be growing impatient and more desperate with each passing moment. And indeed, just then, some people come from his house and tell him that it's all over. His fears has, have come true. His daughter is dead. He might as well let Jesus go and save someone else. But Jesus overhears them and insists on carrying on to Jairus' house with only a small number of people in tow. When they arrive, the family and friends are already grieving the young girl. But Jesus enters the room with only her parents and a couple of others and calls her to get up. And she does. And she's healed, restored to life. But Jesus instructs the witnesses not to tell anyone. The healing that Jairus sought out for his daughter in front of everyone has been given to her in secret. So then taking these two stories together, what do we learn about who Jesus is? Well, Jesus is a healer. Not only does he have power to rebuke wind and waves, but he has power to heal. He restores to life those who have been cast into death. And Jesus knows that the restoration to the fullness of life is just as important as physical healing. If Jesus hadn't called out for the one who touched his clothes, she would have still been healed. She was healed the moment she touched him. But acknowledging her publicly and restoring her to her community and reminding her of her worthiness of a, as a child of God, that's the real healing. Jesus is willing to put himself on the line for the sake of healing. Coming into contact with an unclean woman and the, and the dead body of a young girl would render Jesus unclean as well. 
And while I don't always think this story is best seen as a critique of ritual purity, it's still a risk for Jesus to touch and heal these daughters. But he does it anyway. Because their healing is more important than anyone's sense of what is pure or proper. And we might think that we're pretty far removed from the culture of ritual purity that was present in the time that Jesus was walking around in crowds and healing people. But I was reminded on Wednesday night that that's not really true. I went to Grace Cathedral for the annual Pride Mass at their Wednesday night service called The Vine. And part of the service was commemorating the 40th anniversary of the AIDS epidemic in the United States. 40 years was not that long ago. Most of the people in this room were alive 40 years ago. And 40 years ago, people with AIDS were living the same kind of prolonged living death that the hemorrhaging woman lived. Yes, most of them did eventually die, but before that, they were cast aside by their communities, by their families, rendered unclean, and impure by society. And who was there for them? Who was there to care for them, to restore them to the fullness of life, to declare that they were worthy of love and dignity, even as they physically wasted away? Well, first and foremost, embodying Jesus the most were the others who had also been cast aside by society for being freaks or queers. The people who knew that a life without love and community and dignity is no life at all. And a death without love and community and dignity is something that no one should have to experience. But in addition to those other outcasts, in some instances the church and specifically several churches in this diocese were there claiming and burying unclaimed bodies, performing funerals, and caring for the loved ones left behind. And while they couldn't offer the physical healing of Jesus, they followed his lead in understanding that restoration of life isn't only about physical healing. It's about dignity. It's about being acknowledged as a beloved child of God. It was about being willing to risk their own reputation and maybe even their own safety in order to honor the humanity of the ones suffering from a living death. The world may have told people with AIDS that they were already dead, but Jesus teaches us that there is more to life than death, life and death than whether a person has taken their last breath or not. Being followers of Jesus means that we also call out into the crowds and publicly acknowledge those whose society would have us cast aside. We honor them as the beloved children of God that they are and invite them into community, into relationship, into more fullness of life. I wonder how Jesus is calling us to do that now. I wonder who needs healing today. 
I wonder if we'll be bold enough to call out to them the way Jesus expects us to. Or will we be the ones in the crowd urging Jesus on to heal someone more important?